0: Now, when Chris and I were first married, we lived in Tauranga, and I would pick her up from work at the end of the day. We only had one car, and outside her workplace was a big evergreen tree, surrounded by concrete in the middle of the commercial area of town. You might know a tree like that. And as the sun started to go down in autumn and winter, the tree would become alive with birdsong. Um, as all these different birds came and roosted there for the evening. It was such a vivid memory of such a joyful sound. Now, it may have been that it was connected to the fact that I was a newlywed and looking back with romantically tinged glasses, that I associated that joyful sound with the expectation of seeing my darling and beautiful wife again. And, you know, as I wrote this, I couldn't help but think of that old carpenter's song. Why do birds suddenly appear? Every time you are near, just like me, they long to be close to you. (laughs) Whoa, well done. Chris said that she was very pleased not to be in when I sang that, uh, and this is just off topic, but another, another hymn, we're looking at Psalm 119, which is an acrostic poem, so one day I was preaching on that in church, and I invited Chris to stand, and I said it's kind of like this, A, you're adorable, B, yeah, anyway, <laughs> she has forgiven me, <laughs> but not only that, but not only that reminder of uh, Chris but also because for me creation and in particular birds have been a lens into contemplation of the scriptures in connection with God. For example Psalm 113 says from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same the Lord's name is to be praised and our land of birds with its dawn chorus and that singing as the sun goes down is a choir of praise that invites us to join in and to give thanks to God our Creator. Um, that, why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near undergirds the reading we had from Psalm 84 today, where the pilgrim with sort of romantic languages longs for the to be in the courts of the temple in God's presence. And he says, you know, even the little birds. The insignificant birds, like the sparrows and the swallows, and this picture is of a waro, or welcome swallow, find a place to dwell close to the altar of the temple. They desire close to be, to be close to their creator, and they are welcomed and cared for by God. And that's the point that Jesus also makes in our New Testament reading today. God cares even for the ravens. And for the Jews, ravens were unclean birds because they would occasionally chomp on carrion, on dead bodies. God cares enough to feed them. You, says Jesus, are more precious, more important than birds. So how much more can we trust God to take care of us? Therefore, we should put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Another vivid memory of birdsong is a birthday gift of a trip along with three of my kids to Tiritiri Matangi, the bird sanctuary off the end of the Whangaparoa Peninsula. We took the ferry across from the city and as we approached the jetty at the island, the catamarans' big diesels dropped to an idol. And even though we were a couple of hundred metres offshore, the whole island seemed to be resonating resounding, vibrating with birdsong, calling out a welcome to us as we arrived. It reminded me of the fact that early European settlers in New Zealand used to complain that there were too many birds, Uh, that that, um, there was always this cacophony of sound. And it's a sign of the impact that we humans have had on this land, that our forests are relatively silent. We have changed this place so much. We've diminished and destroyed the habitat of native birds, introduced predators and competitors. But there are stories of hope, like Tiritiri Matangi, as we've become good at rescuing species from the brink of extinction, setting up offshore, arc-like islands, and preserving and replanting tracts of forest on the mainland. But that silent forest, speaks of the challenge and the need for creation care. The image behind me is a koramako, a bellbird, that I took on that trip. In our church calendar, September is designated the season of creation, a time set aside to worship God for the wonder of his creation. And at this time of year in the southern hemisphere, it's the beginning of spring, and we are surrounded with blooming and budding and new growth And uh, the toria, the oyster catchers have all paired up and all lining around the coast, sort of squawking at each other, saying, this is my territory. Um, And uh, the the herons have all got their sort of crazy breeding plumage on them. It's, uh, It's just this time of new growth and new birth. Of course, in the northern hemisphere, it's autumn, a time of harvest. And both are good times to remember the wonder, the beauty and bounty of what God has made. It's also a season for us to consider and look at creation care. The call of God to look after what he has made. You know, we face many environmental issues. Climate change is the the chief issue that we face today and its impact on our world. And it, it's sad that um, particularly the poorer nations, the people who just can't afford, afford it, are the ones who are most impacted by that, uh, that environmental, those environmental issues. Uh, last year, in the season of creation, we worked through creation psalms. And this year, I've asked the preaching team to uh, take something that they are passionate about as a vehicle to speak of God's creation and the call we have to care for it. Uh, Dennis Thorne is an avid fisherman, will be speaking about the ocean. Lorne, who will be speaking about water, some of his most vivid childhood memories are of waterholes in Africa teeming with life. I've asked Shane Jansen uh, to speak about his family's commitment to creation care as part of their... um, their Christian faith, and yes, as an avid amateur bird photographer, I'll be looking at God's creation and creation care through the lens of our wonderful bird life. So let's start with a couple of photos that speak of how I feel connected to God through creation, and in particular through birds. This is a picture of a takapu, or gannet, flying over the nesting colony at Murawai on the wild west coast of Auckland. It's called Under the Shadow of His Wings. It's Father's Day today, and this is a Father's Day photo. Now, I'm not good enough to be able to know whether or not that's a male bird flying over the colony. Rather, it was taken on Father's Day. In 2018, I asked the family if we could go out to Murawai to celebrate together. I wanted to take them to be able to share in the the wonder and joy that I have going to that fabulous gannet colony above Māori Bay. It's only one of two places in the whole world where takapu nest on the mainland. Cape Kidnappers and the Hawke's Bay, of course, is the other one, but takapu or gannets are are one of my favourite birds. When I was younger I used to bodyboard uh, quite a lot and you'd often sit out behind the break on many beaches and you'd catch a glimpse of a white flash and a splash in the water further out and a gannet would have dri- driven, uh, dived down into the water after fish. Or you'd be out there and you'd be struggling to catch a wave and, and a takapu would drop down and glide along the face of that wave. Its wing just glancing the surface and often they would look at me as often to say we share the joy of wave and ocean we we rejoice in what our creator has made and cheekily oh yeah we're actually better at this than you are (laughs) yeah of course the idea of under the shadow of his wings speaks of God's protection and is a biblical image It comes from the Psalms. Psalm 91 verse 4. He will cover you with his wings. And Jesus picks up this image as well. The image of a mother hen drawing its chicks together under its wings at the nearest sign of danger. uh, Which is a feminine image of God. A metaphor of his great love and care for Jerusalem and for us. Gathering in caring for, sacrificially putting its body between us and danger and death. Of course Jesus used that image the week before the crucifixion. The greatest example of spreading wings and putting himself between us and danger and death. But also in Deuteronomy 32.15 Moses uses the same image in a different way. He likens the way the Spirit of God had led and encouraged Israel to be God's people in their desert wanderings to a mother eagle hovering over her nest, encouraging her young to fly for the first time and then as they tumbled out of the nest, sweeping down to catch them and bring them back to the nest before they hit the desert floor below. Repeating this process again and again until they learn to fly. A wonderful image of how the Holy Spirit sort of disciples us and grows us in Christ. And we're talking about creation. And Rob Yule, former moderator of the Presbyterian Church of Aotearoa, New Zealand, in his book, The Holy Spirit as Person and Power, points out that that word for hovering is the same one used of the Holy Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, where we are told the Spirit of God hovered over the void. God the Father had spoken his word and made everything from nothing. And Rob speaks of the role of the spirit in creation as like the beating wings of the eagles, compelling the eaglet out of the nest into the abyss. So the spirit of God impels and oversees the initial development of the universe, launching it forth to guide its journey, making it the life-sustaining place that it is, making it the beautiful and wonderful and good creation That it is. Um, Rob also mentions the fact that astrophysicists have worked out that the universe is expanding at just the right rate to sustain life. If it expanded any faster, matter would not be able to form together to make galaxies, planets or our bodies. You know, everything would remain a vapour any slower and it would collapse into a formless mass and there wouldn't be able to be any life. You know, humans wouldn't be able to breathe or move. And the precision of things, even at that cosmic level, to make the cosmos a life-sustaining place, is evidence of the creator's hand or the wingbeat of the spirit to make God's good creation. The second photo, and I'm trying not to overburden you here. Chris came up with that pun. It's her, it's her fault. <laughs> Is this one of a kereru, a New Zealand wood pigeon. And I've always had problems taking photos of these birds. I went to take a photo of it one the other day and it turned round. It looked at me like, uh-uh, and turned round and showed its back to me. This one was a captive audience. It was taken in the Avery at Auckland Zoo, so it's kind of a cheating shot. Uh, But they have played a significant role in my life. Following the advice of my favourite Christian author, Leonard Sweet, in his book, Soul Salsa, I I had started to use visual signs in the world as reminders to stop and think about God and to thank God. And uh, with the kereru, I saw it as close to a native dove as we get. And in scripture, the, the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, So every time I saw one, I'd I'd give thanks to God for the presence of his Holy Spirit, the abiding presence of God within his people, made possible by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And Kariru started turning up at significant times and places. Now, my time at Knox down in Dunedin was rather a dark time. I found it really difficult and challenging and one day I was in this very dark mood and I looked out my study window. Uh, it was a beautiful bay window with a para- panoramic view down from Opaho over South Dunedin to the very cold blue Pacific. And that wasn't enough to cheer me up. But sitting on the power lines, looking straight in at me, were three kereru three. Significant Trinitarian number. And I thought, you know, I just sensed God say, you know, I've got you. I'm interested. I'm here. You are in my sight. And I just found that really encouraging. There was another day, uh, when we were in Dunedin, uh, Isaac was born. And, um, you know, uh, the first thing that goes through a man's head when you go from three children to four is, oh, no, I'm going to have to sell the car and buy a van. You know, yeah, I can I can hear that, yeah, yeah. And and just, you know, God how you know, God, how am I gonna feed four kids and, and look after them on a student allowance? And you know, maybe and, and walking down to Knox, just grumbling and saying, Maybe ministry's not the right thing. Maybe I made a wrong you know, wrong step getting involved in ministry, because you don't get involved in ministry if you want to get rich unless you're a Pentecostal, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, boom <laughs> boom <laughs> And there was a kiriru up on the power lines with its head under its wings asleep. So just out of habit, force of habit, I stopped. And I said, thank you, God, for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And just like that, this voice came. You know, this voice that I I equate with God came and said, is that how you see me? Asleep in the sun? You know, asleep on the job? And I thought, wow. Good point, God. You know, okay, I've got to trust you. I've got to trust you for those things. And it leads us back to our readings in Luke, where Jesus says we should look and see that God feeds even the ravens who do not sow or reap, and that we are more precious than birds. So why worry about what you'll eat and and how you'll be clothed? But put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, This is a different kind of message than I usually give. It's more topical and story-filled. It's a celebration, I hope, of creation, A, a sense of the passion that's there. You know, Christianity is not a nature religion. We do not worship creation as God, but we worship the God who has made creation. And God can speak to us through it. But in what I've shared, I hope that you see that the Spirit used those instances, maybe what we'd call divine coincidences, to draw me back to God's revelation in Scripture and the living word, Jesus Christ. This is a different kind of message today than I usually give. And I did wonder about, you know, that I should give a really solid teaching sermon on a theological reason for creation care. But instead, I hope that you catch something of the beauty and wonder of God's creation. And I want to finish by looking at some practical ways that we can contribute to creation care with the idea of birds in mind. I mean, the passage that we did have read out to us from Luke today does show us that our Christian faith is to be different from the world's focus. The pagans consider and and are fixated on what they will eat and what they will wear, what they have and what they can get. But we are to be different. We are to put forward God's uh, priorities, even in our consumer society. And I would say that creation care fits well with that um, as we look at the establishment of God's rule and reign. So quickly, two other photos that I feel really challenge us about the impact that we're having on the created world and on birds and hopefully some practical ways that we can make creation care part of our life. i have kind of taking the glocal approach here. Um, Glocal is a word that was coined back in the 1970s when ecological problems first became a challenge. Think globally. You know, it's a global issue. But act Locally. You know, the small things that we do can have a big impact. Right. The first is of a, a juvenile ta, puka, or black-billed gull. It was taken off the Taumanu Reserve in Onihanga, which is itself an award-winning environmental development where the rock and the soil and the, the rubble from the waterview tunnels were used to reconstruct the, the beaches along the Manukau Harbour at hunger, And it's become a place where bird life has started to flourish again. Uh, but in this bird's beak is a plastic bead that it has mistaken for some kind of food. And it really picks up that, that challenge of uh, plastics and uh, waste in the environment. I mean, the number one problem facing birds is the destruction of their habitat But then um, the other is issues of how plastic and other human waste and stuff that we throw away impacts on them as well. And I guess a very simple way is for us to reduce our use of such things, reduce our use of plastics, reduce our reliance on fossil fuels, um, and that will have a positive impact on creation and bird life. Very simple, easy steps. Recycling. Choosing eco friendly brands, not littering. And you know, you may go say, oh, that really is not going to make a, a difference, but consumer pressure demanding less packaging and less plastics does actually have an impact on how companies and corporates act. You've got a voice. Money talks. If you're not buying their stuff because there's too much plastic, it talks. The other image is of a Tuturi Fatu chick, a New Zealand dotterel, out at the estuary at Tutukaka. Oh, sorry, Ruakaka. This photo is called Perseverance as it climbs the sandbank from the water's edge to its nesting grounds. And when I, th- I thought of that photo, this little fluffy dot. <laughs> You know, climbing this this steep hill, I couldn't help but think of the passage in James about perseverance leading to um, uh, perfection and, and maturity in Christ. Uh, dotterals are endangered birds, and it's great to see that many sandbanks and estuary mouths are set aside and protected for them. And one sign that they're actually coming back is the fact is, is if you walk around the Harte River Loop at low tide that there are, in actual fact, a group of urban-dwelling dotterals that you can actually see um, around the the Hartier River loop, which is really great. But the problem is I often see people simply walking through these areas that have been set aside or having dogs off leashes around these areas. And I've even seen tyre tracks through these areas. I guess... It's very simple, just simply to say we need to value these places and to look after them. And if it's just simply a matter that we stop behind the barriers and we don't go continue walking past or we're aware if we take our dog on the beach that, you know, the the ends of beaches by estuaries is probably not a good place to have your dog, it's a good idea. Um, Just one simple thing I do as a bird photographer is that I always walk around those places Um, particularly uh, below the high tide mark, not to disturb nests and nesting sites. And the fact that you're lower than the birds actually gives you a good angle to take photos of as well. Okay. And I could talk of other things. Um, You know, uh, I love going out to Onorahi and seeing the predator-free Onorahi signs. And, you know, the local endeavours to lessen and eradicate in New Zealand pests and predators that we have introduced into the environment. And when we first moved up to Whangarei, we lived in the flat under Glenis Curry's house, and it was amazing for us Aucklanders to hear, just occasionally, a, a kiwi calling off in the distance in the bush, a sign that maybe that attempt to lessen predators in the area has been had a positive impact. Uh, I have to be he- careful when I say that because we own a cat. <laughs> I'm a cat person but we've always tried to be responsible cat owners we've spayed them we've fed them well and the one cat that we had that was a prolific hunter we made sure she had a bell on her but um, I think she just managed learn to walk on three paws holding her bell quietly <laughs> you know I, I think yeah mm. uh, are, you know, there's also getting involved in tree planting and other efforts to reforest as positive steps. And I really love uh, talking to farmers who have set aside forest land on their, on their farms in the Queen Elizabeth II Trust, you know, set it aside for children and for per- perpetuity. Next year, I'm hoping as a church that we can find a doable project to coincide with the season of creation. So we don't just talk about it, we we do something as well. Scripture invites us to consider the birds, to reflect and allow creation to point us to our creator, for the spirit to use it to remind us of God's goodness and grace. So can I encourage you today to consider the birds? In both passages we had read to us today, the emphasis is on God's care and God's provision, even for these small animals, And you know, we too can know that care and that love. As it says in Psalm 84, we can know God's closeness and abiding presence. Not just in the temple, not just here, but because Christ dwells with us through the Holy Spirit in the whole of life. In Luke, we know of God's provision which allows us to focus on God's kingdom and his righteousness, not to be fret or be consumed with our needs or worse, our wants, as many are wont to do. And I just want to leave you today that, you know, if there are things in your life that, you know, today you feel are over the top and you're you worrying, is, does God really care? Or finding it hard, you know, to... Uh, be able to focus on those things, that we have a prayer team that would love to pray for you. You are more precious than birds. God cares for you. And the other is just to simply leave you with an invitation, that that care that God has for us calls us to care for our neighbours, to love as we have been loved, and also to care for creation.